0: Hello, good people, and welcome to the Two Rivers Cafe podcast, a friendly haunt where music meets the creative arts for a conspiratorial drink or two at the table by the window. I'm your host, Andrew Fisher. As a composer and lyricist, collaboration is one of the great joys in my life. In this podcast, I'll be talking to fellow artists, musicians, and creatives, sharing knowledge, experience, and hopefully some useful insight. Expect an eclectic mix of wildly talented people, honest conversation, and the odd happy accident as each episode we tap into the flow to collaborate on a unique project. Will it always work? Let's find out. So, before we get started, I should say that we're making this edition of the Two Rivers Cafe podcast remotely because it's early 2021 and we can't leave our homes. But in happier news, I am delighted to be embarking on this episode's collaboration with writer, director, animator, candle maker, educator, and friend, Phil
1: Gom. Hi, Phil. Hey, Andy. Uh, that was a great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> multi-talented. How are you today? Not too bad. Um, In fact today's been a day with some candle making and some writing and some producing activities today so it's been a day full of commas. (laughs) Cool so um, the
0: plan here is that you and I make something.
1: I love a collaboration. I've sort of been involved in so many projects in my previous life and now where that is the bread and butter. You know you you work fast, you respond to somebody else's prompt or something and you have to get something done. I I find it very invigorating and it's always good because it's a bit like, oh yeah, the muscles still work.
0: Phil, before this recording, I shared three words with you from which I asked you to choose one as the jumping off point for our collaboration. Just to remind you, these words were memory, wine and inside.
1: Which word have you chosen, Phil? Of the three words, I have selected wine. And I've selected wine for reasons that might surprise you. I've selected wine because, really, I don't get it. I want to get it. I would love to get it. I would love to enjoy it as I know people enjoy it. It just doesn't agree with me. And to be honest with you, I think, you know, when I, in terms of my way into this, this idea, I thought, I'm looking for a little bit of conflict. I'm looking for a little bit of grit in the oyster, and I think by choosing something that doesn't agree with me, uh, I've already got some images in my brain. I've got some exciting ideas and and, and a possible approach as well. So that's the one I'm going for.
0: Fantastic. Um, a question that often emerges when music and film intertwine is which comes first? How how does it work? And different um, types of f- film form have different sorts of modus operandi. Um, in feature films, the music is always written afterwards in post-production, once the film is being assimilated. Some forms of film uh, are set to music. Do you have a particular preference here? Would you rather go and make something
1: and then I score it? Would you rather me go and score something? I, I do have a preference actually, because I uh, I do a lot of stuff where um, because I have produced some stuff for CGI, where it's so pipeline driven, so you have. The script and then you have an animatic and then you have this and you have that and it's essentially a huge exercise in delayed gratification it's one of the least instinctive pipelines because you can't just get to your content it's got to go through all these different layers and my what I I think what I would enjoy in this instance would be to to let something happen and to control it ultimately because in the end you make those creative decisions around it and then hand it over to you to see what you hear when you look at it because I think, I think ultimately what music does is it tends to lock meaning in and change things and recalibrate what you the emotional resonance of something. And I, I would love to see that happen. I would love to think I'd made something um, that for me answers this brief, this wine idea, and I've explored it. And then it comes over to you and it becomes a different piece of work.
0: Well, that's very exciting. I can't wait to get started. Um, so the plan is going to be that Phil will have first dibs. And then we'll give me something and I will have uh, a response to it. And um, we can't wait to see what happens. Welcome back. A reminder that you're listening to the Two Rivers Cafe podcast with me, Andrew Fisher. Now, in your world, little time has passed. But in mine and Phil's world, a few days have whizzed by. And I'm excited to say that we have finished our collaboration. But before we hear it, and if it's all right with you, Phil, I'm going to ask you a few questions about creativity generally. Have you always been creative? Were you a creative child?
1: The the short answer is yes. I was always a strange child. In fact, I know they're not. I know they're not the same necessarily. But I, the great refrain in my house was, "Will you get your head out of the clouds?" That was the, okay. the general gist. Yes, I always was always writing, always thinking in terms of stories. That was normal it never seemed particularly strange to me but that that i might recreate sort of in my room by myself imagining something and writing something that perhaps nobody was going to read or, or whatever so i never um yeah i never felt compelled to do things because i thought people would look at it i just had things in my brain and i would want to sort of see them sort of manifested i wanted them out of me so yeah that, that was always there yeah
0: How do you work?
1: Do you work the same way or do you
0: deliberately work a different way or do you have a certain pattern, that a series of patterns that you work differently for different sorts of projects?
1: I guess the key thing is that I'm not very good at procrastinating. So by by that, I sort of have a strange guilt complex around productivity. And anyone who knows me would say that's true, that I sort of have a number of different things on the go at the same time. And one of the simple things I do, very simple is that I have a, um, a little paper notebook and at the beginning of the day I just put the things I want to get done on it mm-hmm. and I try and get through that list because I think when you're doing lots of different things and you've got a portfolio life where you're you're not really defined by one discipline specifically it's you can feel like an imposter in a way because it's like well, what are you do you write uh, do you make are you, are you a garden person what is it that you do so it the, the way to kind of like uh, work against that imposter syndrome is to sort of write things down and go through the list and it almost like by the end of the day if I've done all of those things I haven't been an imposter on Tuesday but the the process really is to who oh, this is a cliche but feel the fear and do it anyway so often at the beginning of the, beginning of the project I don't know what I'm doing um, I'm I'm racked with considerations that it's all going to go wrong and I just stay sat on my bum for long enough to get past that those reservations and that might be sort of like ego or that i don't know what that is but i try not to stand up when i'm afraid Does that makes sense
0: absolutely i'm, I'm very similar that no matter what you've done in the past um the new challenge in front of you can still be absolutely terrifying it doesn't get easier
1: no and i think that the thing that um i think i think stephen king I think this is him, or maybe it isn't him. Maybe he paraphrased another writer that just said um, about the secret to writing a novel um, is the application of your bum to a chair. And I've always felt that at the heart of some of the stuff that I do. I think when I hear people talk about the muse and I hear people talk about some of the kind of more um, sort of like, uh, I don't know, sort of the magical relationship to creativity, I do have moments like that. And I think, wow, yes, I've been possessed today by the muse. But often. It's about I sat on my bum for long enough today to to make something happen.
0: Your creativity, can you switch it on? Like, or is it is it
1: always with you? Is it always active? I can't always switch it on, but I know I know I've been on the planet long enough now, and I'm sort of old and ugly enough to know that there is going to be a moment when I can sort of insert myself into the work so it might be that initially i'm circling something and i just literally think this isn't me this has got nothing to do with me Um, i don't know why i'm doing this and then i'm always looking for that lovely moment when and it can be quite small when you suddenly realize that you are going to be able to imprint on it in some way and maybe that sounds very um I don't know, very egoistic, but I think all creatives are looking to imprint because that's how it feels authentic. That's like, okay, that's my route into making the work. So I guess when a director gets a script that somebody else's, the moment that they, they arrive at the scene that they can visualise very strongly, they're beginning to imprint and, and then they can start to kind of um, open up inside of the whole script, if you like, or do that. I've only had writer's block once when I was sort of Writing a very long novel that no one will ever read, <laughs> but uh, that was a very frightening time. It lasted for about eight days, and I, I was on chapter fourteen of a novel that was probably about two hundred thousand words long by then. So I was a long way over the bridge, and I got into this chapter, and I didn't know what was going to happen. It was physical that feeling of, of of the of creativity being turned off. It was a physical feeling, and I don't suffer from insomnia, but I had insomnia. And I, I was miserable. Right. So when, when I fixed the chapter and it was a quick fix, ultimately it was an easy fix. I just couldn't see it at the time. It really felt like, um, yeah, it, it felt like a serious moment of relief. So um, so I have a very strong memory of, of what it was like to sort of open the cupboard and find nothing. I know myself, it is a miserable place to be, but
0: the, the, the word fear is the right one, isn't it? Because that, that becomes totally consuming and 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 there's and it's baffling you're trying to solve what's happened why you know so it takes quite a lot of um very deliberate thinking doesn't it to to try and say okay what has happened that has what could i not do what 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 challenge lay in front of me that that stopped the, the the process
1: but when you when you live with people who perhaps who who aren't um not necessarily who aren't creative but sort of aren't sort of under the pressure perhaps to deliver all the time I I get very conscious sometimes of of disappearing from them because I'm I've gone inside and I'm worrying about something and it belongs to me and when I'm like that if you, if I go to the pub for example I'm drinking a pint I'm not really there I'm not really drinking that pint I should have stayed at home I'm an elephant who goes off to die in those in those moments because I can't gain solace from sharing because in the end I feel silly that I'm sort of having a bad day because of some abstract idea that I can't nail um, while life goes on. So Phil
0: so, the, so long, one question before we start to talk about our collaboration is do you personally always see creativity as inherently collaborative or do you see it as private and
1: then parts of that become collaborative? For me, when I've been at my poorest, um, when I've been at my most unwell, when I've been at my most kind of like, um, you know, at odds, the ability to know that you can write and that you have the the full range of powers by yourself and that it can't be taken from you, that sort of creativity can feel incredibly powerful. But some of the most satisfying uh, emotional, uh, transformative experiences I've had creatively have been with other people Mm. and with 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 more talented people than me if i'm if i'm being honest and 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 often with much younger people than me so certainly um uh, some of the big animation projects that i've done um some of the big sort of like uh, live theater things i've done that have been with musicians and school kids or um, undergraduates um creatively they've been fully saturated in terms of color they've been extraordinary you know emotional i mean you don't tend to sort of cry and sort of feel um that you need you want to hug the world when you're working by yourself in your (laughs) room but i i've I, i you know i remember just briefly going to the dress rehearsal for the big um orchestra animation we did and there was the full full musicians and there was all the students i'd worked with and we got to the end of the piece of music um And I had to have a word with myself and leave because nobody wants to see sort of like a, you know, a middle aged man crying. Um, But it was so powerful because I knew behind me, if I look behind me, all the other team were having a kind of a were having goosebumps as well. And it was a shared thing. So absolutely, um, to be able to go into your own private space and write, I love that. It feels incredibly powerful. It feels liberating and it feels safe and autonomous but I absolutely know the allure of working with other people and it's, it brings its own challenges. It absolutely changes the dynamic and you sort of have to sort of like find ways uh, to sort of, to deal with people and to let people in and all those things Mm. when it's good. And when it works, it it is absolutely addictive. Mm.
0: I love that thing where you're working with people and everyone feels free to make offers and, I love that thing where you have something and then those offers enrich it. And so the, etch- the the artistic product, whatever it is, is so much better for the fact that people are making offers to it. And Obviously, there needs to be some curating of, of those offers to, to, to have an overall vision. But that, for me, is always interesting when you've written something and then you hand it over to, for me, in my case, a, a singer or an actor or something, and then they, do, they, they find a nuance in your text that you go, oh, wow suddenly the story is about this as well as that and th- and th- those moments are like really exciting for me because there's a there's a discovery that you make you think you know this is what i brought um, but it's that whole kind of humbling um oh I, I i was looking at this whole story from this perspective someone else is now inhabiting the story and they're bringing out these things and it's so much richer i i find those thrilling absolutely wildly thrilling but part of that i think is creating an environment where people can safely make offers
1: no I agree and I think that that's where the skill around project management collaboration is 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 producing those conditions authentically so it's not performative like yeah, I am listening I'm not listening it is it is to remain open and I think it's not always easy when you're under time pressures and it's not always easy if you're also dealing with kind of like the classic sort of interpersonal politics of collaborations that that that, that can sort of hamper or change or or come to dominate but as I said, that there have been, I've had an, enough collaborative experiences where the reward in remaining open is obvious because it works, and 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 um, everybody feels like they're a stakeholder. Everybody feels that they can sit in the front row at the premiere. You know, everyone feels that they're in it. And I don't know, they've just been my some of my most precious experiences of working in teams, really. Mm-hmm.
0: We've made you wait long enough, and now it's time to unveil the piece that Phil and I have worked on together. Now, this is a visual piece, so please do follow the link in the description of this podcast to see Phil's animation in all its glory. And in the meantime, this is what it sounds like.
1: Wine doesn't agree with me. I want the berries, and the cherries, and the apricots, and the plum. I want the flint, and the petrol, and the oak, and the earth. When instead, I just get acid, and I'm tasting vinegar, and I'm burping, and there's bile. And I'm feeling fire, I feel a rasp, and there's a prickle, and I'm in pain. It's like being colourblind when everyone else is tasting a rainbow. The world of wine gives us Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon. The world of wine gives me reflux, bellyache, and heartburn. The world of wine gives us Chardonnay and Rioca. The world of wine gives me a Meprazole.
0: I'm a big fan of what you created. I was I was really blown away by it, and watching it again and again, I began to see more and more of what was going on. Tell me a bit about how you created those shifting images, all those brilliant textures and swirls and colours. What did you
1: do? Well, for me, there's an in joke there because obviously uh, the subtext of the of the, the well the, the 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 joke for me was the fact that that wine I chose wine you know out of the options I chose that one. It's slightly counterintuitive because as people will understand when they watch the film that wine doesn't agree with me so i i have a um a disappointing experience of wine it i just for me it's acidic and it doesn't taste the way i know it's supposed to so the the concept if you want to call it that it's a bit grand was that there is a particular way that you can use um, rubbing alcohol to corrode a particular type of pen an alcohol-based pen and it made me laugh internally that perhaps I could produce images by using uh, spritz, the spritz of alcohol to corrode a surface and to make colours run and discolor. Because I thought that it was probably a, an immediate bridge between my experience of of wine and how and how I could perhaps sort of move that and flow that literally into the images. Mm-hmm. So, um, to give you a, an insight into the you know, to the nuts and bolts of of how it was made. Some of the imagery was made by uh, drawing into the inside of a very large sort of white ceramic bowl, uh, a very large white bowl that I drew uh, inside of. So I drew the text elements and I sort of, stratas of colours. And then I was able to sort of film into that, spritz that surface with the rubbing alcohol and then watch as the tendrils, formed and the sort of the ex- more explosive things began to happen, and it's all sort of um um frame by frame, so it's sort of stop motion come time lapse because you're looking at a an active process that's happening on a surface mm. and you're sort of like um you know taking a still image sort of every two seconds to kind of to t- to capture it so um so yes and then that that was basically the the you know the the long and short of it, which was I wonder if I can produce an animation. By producing the kind of effects that wine has on me, <laughs> that was kind of. The, I was so, wondering
0: whether you used actual wine for the for the drops, but it's, it's rubbing alcohol, which is.
1: It's, it's, yeah, it's rubbing alcohol and sort of uh, alcohol-based pigment. So no, not actual wine, um, because um, wine, in fact, uh, is is too um, too wet. So uh, in, that, in that respect, what you're essentially doing is you're allowing the uh, the uh, marker pens to sort of dry and sort of attach, and then it means that when they're spritzed. Um, there's this sort of moment where it's all held it's coalesced and then suddenly from that point it's always slipping towards chaos after that so it was like controlled chaos if that makes sense we're literally watching a a chemical
0: reaction perfect for the text that you were saying and and i remember watching that and feeling actually feeling a bit stomachy and a bit acidy just the sort of suggestion of it was so
1: powerful and also the way that you were using different colors there's a line in the in the animation about sort of um being colourblind and in the, in the film itself that sequence is black and white, but with colourblind, actually I, I think it's where actual colours aren't black and white. They sort of, they're just sort of slightly off what they should be. And I think f- for me, the, the contrast was you have the lovely fruit and sort of um, wholesome colours, the sort of fruit colours and the sort of the gold colours and, you know, the sort of, of of, of when people describe wine and talk about this kind of cosmos of, yeah, I don't know, fragrances or whatever. This this lovely swirling, you know, ocean of like you know flavors that I wanted to sort of express those things in colours that we've we've we had um, sort of positive associations with. And obviously, as we sort of move towards perhaps my uh, my my experience of acid reflux, that obviously was sort of seeking to sort of put a slightly more poisoned, yeah, sort of like polluted colour scheme in there. So it so and there's a dance between those two two sort of um palettes um something queasy and something sort of um fruity and and wholesome and you know and that, that's the contrast really
0: when you heard my music was it what you were expecting were, were were you thinking this works were you thinking how interesting it cuts against everything i was talking about
1: what, what... well no, i mean i uh, i couldn't wait to be honest with you because i think um i think when we spoke at the very beginning of this project the idea was I don't know maybe I'm just a child like a past the parcel type child but the idea of you unwrapping something and not knowing what was in it and then me getting to unwrap it again just just to me just seemed very exciting and it's and you know we know that collaboration can be done very differently because as you've said before it can be done with a much more sort of um, co-authorship uh, but for me there was something about the surprise of this and so I couldn't wait to see it I've got to be honest with you so I was sort of and also I was worried that it was like not going to you know press your buttons obviously that that you would be you'd have a mojo-less moment of looking at this kind of you know this this poor guy talking about his stomach um i sort of love the fact that there is this what you do is you ghost the score with the version of the film or the version of of wine that you're sort of um that we're hoping is there or you know when we think about wine we are compelled to think in sort of um about sort of sort of the french bistro or we're compelled to think in those terms we sort of it's sort of it's on the tip of our tongue already sort of like in our inner ear and it's there and then uh you're able to kind of um pull it apart and sort of and obviously that's happening within the animation as well so in, in that respect i i you know there's a lovely lovely bit i think towards the end where there's this kind of sunburst of 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 liquid which is sort of relatively sort of unpleasant um and you've got this pixicato in there which is literally like the 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 it is the musical equivalent of the moment when i know that this thing is starting so so i so i felt that was incredibly pinpoint accurate to be honest with you it was like oh yes that's the pixicato of my um of my stomach lining that you've that you've evoked there congratulations
0: When I was writing it, I, I, I had sort of two thoughts initially. One, as I was thinking about wine, was the experience of tasting wine, that we don't have one flavour immediately hit us. Also, we, we can, but, but sometimes you, you get a second flavour and a third flavour. And, and, and that, for me, was important textually and texturally to have this. OK, here's idea one, here's idea two, here's idea three, here's idea four. So, so these different timbres, these different colours, these different gestures give you different sort of hits. And then there's a the wine experience, and I was trying to match that. The second thing I noticed was the way that you were performing the text felt really like a song lyric. There was a poetic form and meter to it that I was very conscious of. Where you were placing the downbeats struck me as, ah, oh, that's the first beat of the bar. And that, for me, uh, was something I immediately responded to technically. So I set down what we call a tempo map where I was placing the – um the the time signature and and the and the speed according to the the natural rhythm of your speaking voice
1: well i was going to ask you that question because i i nearly sort of uh, emailed you to say i think i'm gonna have to punctuate this with some spoken word um otherwise it's going to fall away into complete abstraction and i i and it, it felt like because of the sort of the 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 nature of the imagery and the way it was made it's almost like you control it in post-production because when you're you're filming it you're just getting the results and then you sort of you review the footage but even at that point I understood I need to structure it so that's where sort of the uh you know and you're right about you know the written word and labeling and 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 uh, so I wanted that in there as well but um Mm. so the spoken word I just thought I wonder if this is an imposition you know I just think is you know is Annie going to sort of get this and just go I can't believe he's talking as well you know but um but I just but it's very interesting to hear that for you that suddenly became kind of like velcro that you could attach some conceptualization to as well and that you needed to respond to 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 that I mean I wasn't in my brain at all that you would have to manage it or, or in that sense
0: did you enjoy the process
1: yes I mean I did I mean I I like the fact that I was sort of launched into something. I like the fact that I had limited means as well. I think, without wanting to sound like a masochist, there's something always for me that propels creativity, which is about constraint and not having lots of choices. I think it's it, it, you can almost feel your brain working. You can feel the the architecture happening because you you can't you know say, oh well, if I had. The, all of this other kit or if I had all this money I could solve these problems it's like no I, I'm just going to sort of work uh, in a limited way and and make sense of, of of those materials or make sense of those limitations.
0: I think that's a great insight I, I can totally relate to that how limitations can be actually be necessary essential for creative work sometimes I think I've got so much choice I don't know what to make if you take things out and say I'll give myself three say instruments to to play with or three colours to create with or um three concepts to to work with that that can actually be the necessary fuel for the creative
1: act I I think I think there is a key there to uh the creativity and not procrastinating which is that there is something about short um resolvable projects that are really good for staying limber and I was certainly you know um if you asked for some advice, you know, about creativity earlier, and I think that sort of short, sharp, resolvable, and realizable creative projects are just absolutely key. And, uh, and it's not just because, oh, I haven't got the attention span. It's just the fact that it is great to open something up. And I think it's great to have a direct experience, not too much time reflecting and mediating and worrying. I think it, and, and I didn't have the time. It was really it was good but it's amazing when you with a bit of experience when you know how it's going to coalesce in the in post and what you're seeing in the frame bears no resemblance to the materials being used to make it and that's the other big thing isn't it about creativity is that when you've got that experience you know that it's all about what's in the frame it's it's, you know and it's not about the periphery it's about is it working and when the answer is yes Um, again that can feel very liberating because you can realize that actually we can make work simply and quickly we don't need million dollar budgets and we can work directly phil thank you so much for being part of
0: this it's been a privilege for me and an absolute treat. i really love what you've done thank you i think having talked about it for 10 minutes it's probably a good idea to hear the piece again so here is wine doesn't agree with me by phil gom and me andrew fisher
1: Wine doesn't agree with me. I want the berries and the cherries and the apricots and the plum. I want the flint and the petrol and the oak and the earth. When instead, I just get acid and I'm tasting vinegar and I'm burping and there's bile and I'm feeling fire. I feel a rasp and there's a prickle and I'm in pain. It's like being colorblind when everyone else is tasting a rainbow. The world of wine gives us Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon. The world of wine gives me reflux, bellyache, and heartburn. The world of wine gives us Chardonnay and Rioja. The world of wine gives me a Omeprazole.
0: Thanks for joining me in the Two Rivers Cafe and thanks so much to Phil Gomm for his excellent company and for creating such a vivid, fascinating piece of work You can see our collaboration by following the link in the description of this podcast and This is also the place to find links to more examples of Phil's work and a link to my website where you can discover more about my life as a composer. My name is Andrew Fisher and this edition of the Two Rivers Cafe podcast was produced remotely by Jim and Rupert of Driver Aid's If you enjoyed it, then please tell your friends to subscribe. Look out for the next episode when it appears, but in the meantime, I encourage you to get creative and collaborate yourselves. And know you can sometimes be helped by a little conversation and tea and cake. Goodbye.